Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast that explores the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with artists, creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and changemakers. What comes to mind when you hear the word happiness? Would you be surprised to learn that there are 31 types of happiness? Pamela Gail Johnson is today's guest on Getting Work to Work and shares her passion for all things happiness, from her early days of wondering where all the happy people were and forming the society of happy people, to the four principles she writes about in Practical Happiness. Pamela's work will hopefully broaden your understanding of what being happy means to you. She also describes what happiness zappers are, the impact of happiness in the workplace, and the three happiness holidays recognized worldwide. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at jwtw.co slash 599. I have to ask, what are you endlessly curious about? I can kind of say everything. I'm the person that if I see something that I I can ask so many questions, you get annoyed because I'm like, especially if I don't understand it or if I don't understand how something, how someone thinks. And, And I think sometimes people may think I'm being judgy and I'm not necessarily trying to be judgy. I'm just trying to understand the premise behind why somebody may make a decision or why somebody decided they're thinking different ways. So I'm just kind of curious about humans in general. Was there something recently where you really wanted to do like a deep dive into something? Well, I'll be honest, like some of the people who, who I know, okay. So I, I live in, I'm from Dallas and from Texas. So red state mindsets Mm -hmm. and some of the people I know who are like super smart, but I've been living on the East coast for the past 18 months are mostly living on the East coast, kind of going back and forth. But yeah, like say the, the ones who are, um, we're like not, you know, like anti-vaxxers and, and not necessarily for political purposes. So it's, it wasn't like they had a loyalty to some political ideology. And so, yeah, I would have certain conversations and I'm like, okay. And so why, why are you, you know, like I'm trying to understand how they, didn't un- how they had a different mindset about some of the science. And again, not because it, it wasn't political for them. It was, it was other things and it wasn't their doctor telling them not to do it. So like, that's been one of those, those kinds of interesting conversations I've had of recent of just, like I said, trying to understand, a, you know, a mindset of, yeah, a different mindset. So that's been kind of fun. But I was also, when I, out of college, my first job was junior achievement. So we were working with, um, you know, kids and youth. So sometimes I'd walk past kids, you know, kind of standing where they could, and they'd be like in high school and they're smoking. And I would like, I would just ask them, like, I was trying to understand why, like, I understood why my grandparents smoked because in the movies of their timeline, that was just the cool hip thing to do. But by this point, we knew that it was unhealthy for you. So again, and I'm not trying to judge them. It wasn't a judgment. It was just, I was trying to understand the mindset behind it. So I'm, I'm always that person that, like I said, if you're doing something and I can't quite figure out the, the premise, I'm going to probably ask, I'll, if I feel comfortable, I will ask you questions. I love that too, because what, it, what, what I'm getting the understanding of or, or the impression of is the difference between asking questions to understand and asking questions to change someone's mind. Most of the time, you're not ever really going to 
change somebody's mind that's that's maybe doing something you don't understand. So I'm all about, and I think happiness a lot of times is all about meeting somebody where they are. But if you don't understand where they are, you can't meet them where they are. You don't have the that you know the path or the mindset behind it. And so, like I said, I find those things those things fascinating. I find it um, when I meet people from other countries, and you just talk about the you know current events. It's always interesting to hear a person's perspective that lived in a different um, political system or a different a different country. Uh, you know, like even right now, I was talking to. Uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to uh, a guy who lives in the U.S. Now he's in the military. Um, but he he's from Ukraine. And it was it was really interesting to hear his his perspective on what you know, what's going on there. And when I see him again, I'll ask him again about, you know, has as the situation has evolved. Like I said, it's always interesting to hear other people's perspectives. Again, people are different and we've kind of we've we've quit respecting that, which is actually respectful is one of the 31 types of happiness. So I think it's that question we always should be asking ourselves, how do we, you know, how, how do we learn about um, something different than us? Like we, we've moved to a place of group think sort of where we're all, we all want everybody that we hang out with to think like we do. And I just personally think that would be boring. So like I said, that's, that's probably one of my, you know, I just, I, I love learning about different, you know, different people, different mindsets, different perspectives. So you've mentioned happiness several times. Where does your happiness journey begin? Okay, so I'm probably slightly pre pre uh, genetically disposed. Part of our happiness is based on genetics. That in general, I will see I, I have a more of an optimistic or possibility mindset. So you know, I, I always think you can do what you want, and the question becomes how do you do it versus why you can't do it. That's genetically, but when I really got into happiness even more was when I worked for the, in the self-help field for a decade, and it was at the height of the self-help movement. So when Oprah was at her high, you had Jerry Springer, you had infomercials on TV, radio was was full of just pure self-help, like this is how you become happier, heal your wounds, whatever the verbiage was. And I was teaching actually personal empowerment workshops at the time, and people wanted me to write a paper newsletter. That's before we had the internet newsletter, so probably before your time. And I was thinking that was a lot of work, so I'm thinking no. But I, for kicks, I was playing with, well, what would I put in it? And I started thinking, well, what is empowerment? And I was like, it's ultimately about when you can look back at something that was maybe difficult or even painful and sort of have a and, and kind of chuckle about it. I mean, not every situation is going to be that way, but a lot of them are. You're like, wow, I learned a lot. I grew a lot, you know, and you can see a little bit of humor to it. So it kind of shows, I think you're healed. So I was like, I want to put a humor column on the back of the newsletter. I want to, I want to put, yeah, humor column. So then I'm like, well, what would be in it? And I was start just asking that question. Where are all the happy people? So this was about 25 years ago. I was like, where are all the happy people? I was like, I know. They ha- and this is, again, height of the self-help movement. So there's a 12-step group for everything, just pretty much everything. There's still a lot of them, but there's less now. But then really, I think there could be a 12-step group for like not liking the color red or something. I mean, it was just super, like, there were so many. So I was like, I know they have their own meeting and they don't tell anybody about it. And I was like, you know what? 
I see them where I start seeing them wearing Mardi Gras type masks because I personally think those are fun and decorative. And I was like, they probably wear masks in case a parade rainer breaks into the meeting because they don't want people running on their parade. And then I kind of saw a banner in the background. And it was called Secret Society of Happy People because they were just sitting around chit-chatting about, you know, all the things that were going right in their life and all the things that made them happy. So I, I think if like your life is at least half happy, you should have at least half, that should consume half your conversations, but it doesn't always seem to work like that. And so I always think people are a little bit happier than they think they are. So I started this group eventually called the Secret Society of Happy People. We've now dropped the word secret, but that really began my, I guess, more formal way of looking at it, like paying attention to happiness was like 25 years ago because of that, just because it's, it's kind of like looking, you know, like I said, looking for all the happy people, you know, where are they and um, what are people talking about and how do we get people uh, valuing their happiness as much as they value the things that zap their happiness. I love that origin story so much because when I see the name Society of Happy People, like it makes me smile. It makes me want to join. And I, I can't think of a better name for an organization. We need to be our own city, you know, like a city that again focuses on what's right in the city versus what's wrong in the city. It's it's or maybe our own island, I don't know. But it's a yeah, I think I think. While happiness in and of itself seems simple, it's also somewhat elusive because, because I, I don't think we look at it realistically. I think we look at it in an unrealistic way uh, oftentimes. And so we, we set a goal for something that's just not obtainable for most people or, or possibly anyone when we, when we start thinking about happiness and, and what it is versus happiness for what it really is and, and in a realistic, practical way. That's interesting because the first thing that I think of when you say that is the difference between happiness and joy. Because I'll often hear, oh, you know, happiness is elusive, but joy is more permanent. Well, in, in the society lingo world, one of the things we did early on was we um, identified, because I was, again, our tagline was, are you happier than you admit you are? And I was looking at tons of mental health stuff. And one of the things is they had this chart that said, how are you feeling today? And so for kicks, I just went in and counted up all the feelings and said, which ones are happy, which ones are not happy, which ones are neutral. And on that chart, about two thirds of the types of happiness that tons of therapists had in their offices at the time, I don't know if it's still out or not, because I'm not in that field anymore, but about two thirds of them were unhappy descriptions, you know, descriptions of feeling bad. And I thought, wow, we're, we're kind of teaching people to feel bad versus feel good. And happy was just like only one of the, the descriptions. So for kicks, I started saying, well, how many types of happiness are there? And my simple definition of what is happy, happiness is when you feel naturally good. And that is going to be dependent on the moment. So like last night, I had driven 11 hours. I was exhausted. And by the time my head hit the pillow, you know, I'm not saying I was unhappy, but I certainly wasn't per se happy because I was exhausted. My body was tired. It was not feeling good. It needed some rest and some sleep. So obviously I woke up this morning and I'm, I'm feeling much better and chipper because I got a really good night's sleep. 
that's, that was happiness, you know, for me, for, for last night as I got sleep. So I felt, woke up feeling naturally good this morning, but let's say you were dealing with a crying baby. Do you, do you have kids? I do not know. You do not have kids yet. So, so, well, you, you probably know people who do, right? Yes. So if they've had crying baby, call it baby, whatever they you know, they just need like some quiet. So for, for them, like the moment that the baby kind of finally settles down, because, you know, once you fed it, changed it, loved on it, and it's still crying, you're going, oh, my stars, what do I do? What is, you know, what is wrong? Because it's your little, your little love bug, and you're trying to make sure it feels good. And it can't tell you like, well, I have a headache. You know, you just can't say that. So you're guessing what's, what's wrong. So finally, you get the baby to calm down. You as a parent, you're feeling relief. You're feeling you're, you're relieved. That's a type of happiness. You're feeling because you feel better than you felt when the baby was crying. And so again, I think oftentimes we, we, we confuse what happiness is. So for society, we came up with the 31 types of happiness and joyful back to your question. And joyful is one of those types of happiness. I think for me, and this is where happiness is somewhat personal, joyful is a type of happiness, but I don't think it replaces happiness. I think it's part of happiness. I think it's a very high vibration type of happiness. And I think there's sort of different vibrations of happiness. Like relief isn't the same as joyful. I think joyful when we're in that state, when something just brings us pure joy, maybe it's a band you love. Maybe it's it's being on a golf course, maybe it's fishing, maybe it's taking a walk or laughing with your girlfriends. Those states of joy, I think are, are, are wonderful, but I do personally think of joy as a more of a high vibration type of happiness. I love that because it also speaks to, an, it's non-binary in a sense. So it's not happy or joy. It's, it's more of an, and it's like, it's happiness is joy and all the other types of happiness. Yeah, joy to be for for me, joyful is one of those types of happiness. Yeah. But it, like I said, it's 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 not really it, it's in the happiness genre. You know, it's part of <laughs> right. happiness. But there are other types of happiness because there's really nothing worse than when somebody's telling you. And, and we do this with gratitude a lot. We we say. And scientifically, it's shown that if we if we feel and the keyword there is feel, not think. If we feel grateful for things, it actually rewires our, you know, our brain a lot. So if we can be in that feeling of gratitude, that's this wonderful place. But we can all have moments, and that includes me, that, you know, I know I lived, my head knows I live a blessed life, even on my worst day. But, you know, some days I'm not feeling the blessings. I'm not feeling the gratitude because something that's zapping my happiness is, you know, feels bigger. Does that mean I had no happy moments that day? No, it does not mean that. It means I may not have felt grateful or blessed that day, but maybe I did find something amusing or maybe I felt loved because somebody was supporting me through a challenging time. So I may have felt some types of happiness meaning I had moments I felt a little bit better than I did the moment before, but, um, I might not, but it might not have been joy or it might not have been gratitude or or feeling grateful. It might've been, like I said, other types of happiness. So what are some of the 31 types of happiness? And honestly, all I can think about right now is the 31 flavors at Baskin Robbins. Well, we sort of settled on the 31 types of happiness because August is happiness happens month and there are 31 days. 
So you're, you're, you're kind of on the, on the right track. <laughs> There's 31 flavors of happiness. Well, we, we've talked about a lot of, you know, several of them. And just so you know, your listeners, if they want to get what we call our happiness counter, they can just go to SOHP.com slash gift and they can, it'll download. They can download the counter that has all 31 types of happiness on it. So they don't have to try to write these down or, you know, figure out what they are. But if they go to SOHP.com slash gift, they can download that counter. But we talked about some of them. So amuse would be one. So sometimes, you know, let's just say we're having a happiness zapping day and we're frustrated. And so we go to our Facebook page or TikTok or whatever, and we see some, you know, funny video that, that just kind of makes us grin. Like maybe it doesn't take away any of the problems we're dealing with, but it just makes us grin. We just had an amusing moment or our dog is cute or our cat is cute or bird or whatever, we just have an amusing moment and we grin. That amusement's a type of happiness. Content. I think a lot of times contentment gets underrated. Some people, I, I got in a disagreement with a motivational speaker on this once because he was saying, you know, if you're content, you're, you, you just, like basically you're giving up. And I'm like, I can't think of a greater state than when you reach a certain point in your life that you look around and you're like, you know, I wouldn't make very many major changes. You know, the things I want to do are pretty, my goals are pretty, uh, you know, achieve, you know, it's not that I don't have a bucket list. It's not that I don't want to do things, but in general, I'm content. I like my significant other. I like my house. I like my job. That's, that's a great thing. So contentment, um, content is a type of happiness. Honor. A lot of people uh, don't think of it this way, but it's a time you feel good. So let's say you're in a work meeting and somebody else on your team um, did something great, but you're getting credit for it. And instead of just sitting there taking the credit and saying kind of like, duh, I don't know what to do. You actually step up and say, hey, I didn't do that. Um, John did that. And you give John the credit for it. That's an honorable thing to do. We don't do that enough. Um, let's say the cashier at the bank gave you too much money and you give back that, that money, that's an honorable thing to do. Like sometimes honorable things aren't always the easiest, but they're still very, um, they make you feel good because afterwards you're not feeling guilty that you didn't do the right thing. Uh, let's say you're taking care of your parents or grandparents and you're helping with caretaking. Caretaking is again, a very honorable thing to do. We talked a little bit about, you know, what I'm endlessly curious about in, and say being respectful is, again, a type of happiness. If you can have a conversation with somebody trying to understand something and you can have that conversation in a respectful way, so both people get to, to talk. So you can say what you think, they say what they think, but there's still a mutual respect there. That feels good because you're learning something new and it's, 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 a, it's a new thing. When you feel valued, that's, again, a type of happiness. Uh, or you can help somebody feel valuable. And those are some of the ones that people don't think about as much, but they're, they're important types of happiness. There's, there's others there. I just, this is one of my examples I use about some of the types of happiness is that, do, do you have a garage? Do you do spring cleaning? I am in the midst of spring cleaning. So yes, I have a garage and it's getting cleaned daily. Okay, so you're cleaning it daily. Does the thought of cleaning it daily make you think, oh, yay, I'm super excited? Yes. 
Oh, it does. Okay. Well, oddly enough, that, that, that is good. Okay. For some people it does not. So what, what I tell people on something like that is, um, once they've done it, they're going to feel relieved it's done, which is a type of happiness relief. They're going to feel satisfied when they go to pick up something or find something because they're going to know where it is. And if they actually donated some stuff, which they probably did, they're going to feel good because they, they were giving. So they, so a task that they may or may not have thought was something that made them feel good or was happy actually had three types of happiness attached to it. Wow. And then of course there's the obvious, you know, like when you're laughing or you're having fun or um, you're feeling grateful. I mean, those are some of the obvious types of, you know, types of happiness that being kind, those, those are some of the, you know, obvious ones. And of course, those are a part of the 31 types of happiness, joyful, as we already mentioned. Oh, I love those. It's interesting too, because as you're describing them, you know, I, I just recently changed my garage door opener successfully myself. And so every time I open and close the door, I feel a sense of pride and happiness in the act of being able to do that. Well, you should. Being proud, which isn't really pride, but being proud is a type of happiness. Yeah. When we do things like learning something new and being successful at it can make us feel proud. And that's, Mm -hmm. again, it's a type of happiness. Yeah. Ooh, I like that. But well, see, and again, when we start thinking, when we change our mindset, when we start thinking about happiness for how broad it is, how big it can really be, think about how much more happiness you're going to notice. Yeah. And then you probably answer that question. Are you happier than you admit you are? You probably do answer that question with like, yeah, I do have more happiness going on than I, I think about. That doesn't mean that you don't have things going on that are what I call happiness zappers, you know, things that take away some of your happiness. It doesn't mean those things don't exist, but it does mean there's probably more happiness going on than you, like I said, really kind of give credit for. So this is happiness in the context of, you know, life specifically. How does happiness and the world of work align and overlap and intersect with each other? Well, we we have so many studies now that show that happiness in the workplace, when team members are happy, they're more productive, they're more creative, they're more innovative. Customers give them higher uh, customer satisfaction scores. So they're more engaged. So happy employees, I don't want to say they're, I I, want to say vital because happiness, I think is that important, but they're super, you know, it's a super important part of the work equation. Happy employees have fewer accidents. They take fewer sick days. There's just numerous things that, that contribute to, you know, a happy workforce that, that are positive for everyone from, like I said, the customer to the other teammates, to the leadership of an organization. I mean, plus it's just more fun. Let's be honest. Who doesn't want to feel, (laughs) I mean, you know, like in general, but I mean, you know, like, like that's the obvious, but there's all these other elements that, that add value to, to the workplace when the majority of the team is, is happy. Again, they're still going to experience happiness zappers, but you know, let's say you're having to take care of a sick child and, and you work for an organization that has a, a positive, happy culture, you're, you feel more loyal to that organization. No, you know, when you know they support you taking, you know, dealing with, say, a happiness zapper. So what are happiness zappers? Are there general happiness zappers or are they more personal? 
Well, um, so, okay. Like happiness, how we had 31 types of happiness. We don't have 31 <laughs> happiness zappers, but I did divide too often. We just want to say you're either happy or you're unhappy. Right. And I think that's very simplistic because I think unhappiness is bigger than so so the happiness zappers we divided them into i divided them into five categories so the first one is actual legitimate unhappiness and the vast majority of the time that is when you were dealing with a change or a loss that you did not want it could even be a little bit when you do want it but let's say like retirement you may have been thinking you wanted to retire and then all of a sudden you're retired and you're dealing with a grieving process you didn't expect but it usually deals with a grieving process so Obviously, death of a loved one or a pet is probably the, you know, is an obvious unhappiness one. But it can also be bigger than that. It can be you lose your job, you get displaced, or you get a, your job changes, or your boss leaves that you loved and, you know, he, he or she got promoted and, you know, you're not getting to go to the new team. And you get a boss you don't know, you know, that you don't know you love because you, you know, or a teammate leaves. Um, so you can have workplace losses that take place. Uh, people go to the doctor and the doctor says, hey, guess what? You're giving up all the fried food you love because you need to lower your <laughs> cholesterol. And you're like, but I don't know that I want to give up that lifestyle change. Obviously, the pandemic that has created a lifestyle that's just created changes. And we're still in the middle of those changes and we don't know what those are going to look like. So we're sort of grieving. We still have to go through that grief process of the old. So a lot of times unhappiness is really connected to grieving losses. And, and those are things that you just don't wake up one day and say, Hey, I'm over this. Right. It, it happens over time. Uh, estrangements from either family members or friends, or you get a divorce or you break up with somebody. These are things that again, are, are a process and, and that we may, you know, that we probably didn't write down on our bucket list that like, Hey, I want to not talk to my sister for five years, but it still happens. And it's, it's a dynamic that goes on. So that's, that's the biggie. And I call it unhappiness because it is going to, it, 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 it's just, it can last for years. Like I said, if you, if somebody dies, you're not going to wake up one day and go, Oh, I mean, you can wake up any day, even five years later and be having this ache in you. That's like, I'm really missing whoever it was. And I want to have that conversation with them. So that's unhappiness. But then we go into some that we have more, we have more control over. And so it's about how do we manage them? How do we manage our happiness zappers? And that even includes the unhappiness one. We might need counseling. We might want a support group. You know, there's different ways to help manage those. So you still want to ask that question. How do I manage this? You just want to have a realistic expectation that it's not going to go away overnight. But the next ones are stress. Do you ever feel stressed? Oh, never. Never. <laughs> never. <laughs> Oh, yes, I do. Yes. Yeah, you deal with technology. That's stressful, yeah. right? Yes. <laughs> Just the word technology equals stress. But yeah, so so stress, we all deal with stress. Now there's good stress. So like, let's say we're lear learning something new or we the Super Bowl just happened. So I'm sure every one of those players were feeling like a little bit of stress as they're going out on the field because they want to win. So stress can be, there can be good stress but you can't feel it all the time. So we have to learn to manage it. And we're all familiar with unwanted stress. So when we're, we're just in these, these states of unwanted stress. So stress is something that, that causes our body to, and our head to just kind of our head to explode sort of, and 
our body just tenses up and it produces a lot of not good chemicals and and we have to manage that. And so somebody might manage it by going running and somebody else might want to go do yoga or do a breathing technique. So there's a bunch of ways we manage stress um, and it may even depend on the situation. So we do learn, we have to learn to manage that. Then the next one is fear. And I always like to preface this. If you're in a burning down house or you have a stalker or you know, what, if it's a legitimate fear, anytime you feel unsafe, you want to take the appropriate actions. But in the case of happiness zappers, a lot of times we let the fear between our two temples stop us from doing things. So like we don't apply for a job that we might want because we think we won't get it. And guess what? The success and the happiness is that you actually apply. It may or may not be if you get it. We, we, failure is okay. We want to be at a place with our fears that we don't let them control us and stop us from doing things um, that we would want to do. We don't want to stop us from growing and learning, um, even if we aren't as successful in something as we would like to be. It's a, trying is the big thing. So like I said, fear is one of those things that zaps our happiness because it stops us from moving forward. I always like to think of fear as it's the bridge to regret. So you're going to regret not trying something far more than trying it and maybe it not working out like you hoped, because there's also the opportunity that it might work out better than you hoped. You just don't know. And then chaos. Chaos is those things that's usually temporary. So when you're in a chaotic moment, it's, it's zapping your stress. I like to t think of it as it, there, the actual chaos itself will probably end in a short amount of time. Even if you're in a natural disaster, and it may last a few days, it still sort of ends. And then you move to other happiness zappers associated with, with chaos. Um, but an easy one that we all get is like, let's say our alarm didn't go off and we get up late and we're just running around trying to get, get the day started, right? That's an easy chaos that, that that's, um, people can relate to. Um, and then the final one is annoyances. And this is where we, this is where sort of happiness is a choice because an annoyance is something that can really impact our mood, but it really doesn't have much impact on our life. So let's say somebody's rude to you or talks to you in a way you don't like somewhere. You're, maybe it's your barista, maybe it's the grocery store, maybe it's somebody you know. But the question you always want to ask yourself is, will you remember this a year from now? And if the answer is no, it's just an annoyance and you just want to let it go and just just, you know, kind of move on because it's, it's taking away happiness that really doesn't have any impact on your life. So those are the five kinds of happiness zappers. And um, in, in my book, Practical Happiness, um, we actually teach, show people how to create what I call a zap map, which is a zapper management action plan. Ooh, that's really cool. Yeah. So that way you're managing the zapper versus it managing you. That seems to be the recurring theme that I'm hearing, Pamela, is that, you know, it's really about managing what you know to bring you happiness and zap your happiness. If I summarize the stuff, what I talk about a lot is it's the problem is we think of happiness as a singular emotion. And the real key to being happier is to expand that definition of what happiness is and also trust that you can manage your happiness zappers. Because and you see a lot of this with social media that people, um, you know, some people can come across like all positive and everything is perfect, but even the most perfect 
person that you think exists, the happiest person, they're dealing with probably about the same number of happiness zappers you do. But what defines their happiness is really how they manage it. Ooh, that's interesting. Too often when something happens to us, we go, oh, this is happening to me again. And we go into sort of a victim emotion or a victim mindset instead of saying, okay, this sucks, you know, my tire's flat again, or whatever it is, like, yes, it sucks, but how do I manage it? Do I call, you know, do I call my motor club service that's on my insurance or, you know, or the plan I subscribe to, or, you know, do I change my tire myself or do I call a friend? I mean, what, what the question is should always be when we're dealing with something that zaps our happiness, even unhappiness, even loss, even the worst of worst is how do I manage this? Now that might be with self-care. That might be with, like I said, running. It might be fixing the problem that if it's chaos, that's in the moment. But it's the question always needs to be, how do I manage it? And not, why is this happening to me? Unless you're asking from it, from a big spiritual type perspective of why is this happening to me? So I can learn to, you know, learn from it. But we have to not go into a victim mindset with it. Because when we do, we're just lowering our vibe. We're lowering our energy. And, and that's never attracts really good things to us. So you've mentioned your book, Practical Happiness. What's the book about? And you write about four principles in it. What are those? Well, the book is about how to help people find realistic happiness. And, you know, in a nutshell, how do we find that? So the four principles are happiness is personal. Happiness zappers are manageable. Happiness changes as you change. And happiness is bigger than you think. Wow. Of those four principles, were there one or two that changed the way you think about happiness? Well, a reporter asked me when the society turned 20 years old, what I had learned about happiness. And so I spent, I spent some time after he asked that question, because I kept thinking, well, what have I, you know, what have I learned? And the society never was about telling people how to be happy. But we did kind of follow these four principles. Like we wanted people to notice more happiness. So that was kind of a big, big piece about, about it. But when I started rereading stuff I'd written over the course of the 20 years, and it really kind of boiled down to these four principles. But I think the one that, that wasn't probably obvious at the time for me, that's obvious for me 25 years later, is happiness changes as you change. And it, it sounds obvious, but I, when I do coaching and things like that, a lot of times people are clinging to past happiness to the point that they don't enjoy present happiness. So they're trying to recreate, you know, life in their twenties when they're in their forties or fifties, or they don't, you know, they had a great girls or guys weekend trip and they keep trying to recreate it. And, and while you could get the same people to go on that trip, um, every year, every year, the trip's going to be different and the people are going to, you know, react to it different because, you know, you're in a different time and we have different experiences. Do you like roller coasters? Yes, I do. I love them. You do? Oh, so do I. So let's say you and I decide to go ride a roller coaster. <laughs> okay. Cause we both love roller coasters. So we're going to go, go have our roller coaster fix. Woo-hoo. Yeah. So and we both ride it and we both have the same experience. When we get off of the roller coaster, we may agree we're both super happy because it's, it's something we both like. 
but I may rate it an eight, you may rate it a nine or a 10 because we still had a different experience. That's where happiness is personal. We still had a different experience, even doing the exact same thing. Even if we would do it again, we still may view it a little bit different and that's not good or bad. It's just kind of the is of it. Hmm. I like that. Now I'm thinking about roller coasters. I know. I, I know. I, I, I'm ready to, um, for, for, you know, the, 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 whatever, the parks to open up so we can roller coaster. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> without, having, without having to scream inside. <laughs> yeah, scream in our mask. You know, it's, it'll be, uh, yeah. Because, you know, when you want to scream and put your hands up, you just want to feel the air. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> When I feel the air and you want your hair standing upside down, you know, when you're doing the loops. and Exactly. Well, I was surprised to read something that you help create three globally celebrated happiness holidays. Well, yes. Yeah, so when the society started, um, there, there really weren't any happiness holidays. I think we probably created the first ones. There's one now that the UN recognizes in March, I believe. I believe it's like March 20th. Um, it's International Day of Happiness, I think. But uh, when we started, and so somebody, some of our members said, you know, there's National Pickle Day. There's, you know, obviously the social cause days, but um, there, there's not one for happiness. So we started with um, Happiness Happens Day, which is August 8th. And some people met, messaged us after the first year and said, hey, I couldn't celebrate it that day or whatever. And I was like, okay, well, let's just make it the whole month of August. Happiness happens month. And that way, if you can't celebrate on the 8th, you can celebrate on any day that makes you happy. So that's how the second Happiness Happens Month came about. And then the following year, because schools start at different times all over the country, we had some teachers that got in touch with us and were like, kids need to be happy too. And we're not in school in August. And so we actually started Hunt for Happiness Week in January that had a little bit more of a education focus at the time. Well, that's cool. Well, yeah. And also in January, you know, all the holiday hoopla, the fall is over and you're kind of waiting for spring break and it's in the U.S. anyway, it's gray and gloomy. And uh, so, yeah, kind of, it was, it's, it's kind of a, a little bit of a, so sometimes you have to work a little harder to be happy. Well, speaking of having to work a little bit harder for people who maybe struggle with happiness, what's a good first step that they can take toward happiness where they need it, whether it's in their life or their work? Well, I would always say start with a happiness counter and kind of take a realistic assessment as to as to what your happy things are. So, you know, get the counter, take 30 minutes, take an hour, go add up how much happiness you had. If you need to make changes and you don't feel strong enough to do that, I'm always a big advocate of coaching or working with a therapist to help you do that, depending on the types, types of changes, you know, you might need to make, because I think it gets to that happiness changes as we change. And a lot of times we're just not, again, we keep kind of going into our past bucket of happiness and maybe we're needing a new, something new that makes us happy. And we're maybe afraid to try it or you know, like I said, our life may have changed and, and it may be happier than we think it is. That's why I think that inventory is a great place to start. So, so you can actually see what your current happiness is. And if it's, you know, high enough, you might decide you're happier than you thought you were. But if you're, if it's not, um, like I said, there's other, there's other avenues, but it, 
most likely your life has probably changed and you're probably, uh, you're oftentimes, you know, looking, looking in the past for happiness. And of course, if you're depressed and we were already having an uptick in depression prior to the pandemic, and it has certainly grown. So sometimes people are dealing with a, a chemical depression and they do need to work with their doctor to help, you know, to help balance that. So again, that's where your life may have changed and, you know, and something may have triggered that that you weren't dealing with five years ago or two years ago. And you may need, you know, you may need some help with that too. So just always feel, feel comfortable reaching out, you know, to get, to get that help. Well, Pamela, as we wrap up our time together, what's one thing you want listeners to take away from our conversation? They can be realistically happy. And so I think the most important thing for people to remember is that, you know, happiness is a verb. So we have to put, we have to put a little um, emphasis in looking for it and noticing it and recognizing when it when it changes. And also, we also have to work at managing our happiness zappers because too often we let them manage us. And, and by manage them, I mean, if we're, let's say, in a caretaking situation and it's causing a lot of stress, you know, we may need to have to try to figure out how do we get some extra help. Like managing them doesn't mean that you're having to do absolutely everything. It's just acknowledging the situation and then trying to, to again, create, create your zap map, so to speak, figure out what you need to do to lessen, say, that stress. And, and we can manage most of our happiness zappers. Uh, it, and if we don't manage them, like I said, they manage us. So I think, our, again, our happiness is this combo of, of broadening our definition of it. And like I said, managing our, our happiness zappers. And, and when we do those two things, we usually can find that we are happier than we think we are a lot of times. Well, Pamela, thank you so much for being a guest on Getting Work to Work. I am so grateful to have learned more about happiness and I'm 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 looking forward to taking that counter and being and seeing where I'm at cuz as you said we could all learn to to notice and and see our happiness. I do want to say the book Practical Happiness what I think makes the book um unique is I interviewed 60 people uh for the book so the book is filled with people's stories that put these principles into action. So I think it helps people really, uh, it makes those, those principles very relatable because it puts them into action and into making happiness very realistic. I hope this conversation with Pamela was eye-opening for you. And I want to remind you to be sure to take the happiness counter at SOHP.com slash gift to see if you are indeed happier than you admit you are. I know personally, I struggle with happiness at times, and lately it seems like there's no happiness in the world. So I'm looking forward to spending a little time taking this counter. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity and happiness fuel your life.